Anyway, uh, it's such a joy to be back in an exciting church. I felt the presence of the Lord so strong here again, just like I did 15 years ago, however long it's been. Uh, I don't keep track anymore. I'm 82 now, and I just don't care. I won't be here. I said, uh, you know, uh, as a pastor, I knew that when uh, one of my members lost a wife or a husband that probably I was going to be doing another funeral in three weeks or three months or three years. So I'm kind of in that position myself, but it doesn't matter because I've been serving him since 15 years old, loving him and appreciate so much. And I, I love the way you take care of my son and my daughter-in-law. They're so good. Uh, Tim just carried, yeah, they, amen. They ca carried me around, wanted to know who you want to go see. And uh, by the way, uh, we went to see uh, my good friend, Rosalie, and her daughter uh, Haley is here in the church. Haley is a youth pastor down at the Journey Church and was raised in the Catholic Church, so something's happened. Anyway, Rosalie and Mike were uh, next-door neighbors. Uh, there's a kind, yeah, have you ever had a neighbor you wanted to put them in the car and take them somewhere and leave them off and leave them there? But Mike and Rosalie were those good kind of pastors, or the pastors, uh, neighbors that she loved. And in fact, uh, she really blessed me right off the bat. Uh, they had two dogs in back, and they served as comics for us. Max and Ojo were their names. They would go ballistic when I would go out to get that car to drive away until Norma brought them bought treats for them and fed them treats. Then they became fast friends. Anyway, uh, you know, at 82, sometimes I get going down a rabbit trail and I forget where I'm going. So I'll just cut that off and say he forgot something. No, I didn't. I'm just changing horses now. Anyway, I want to thank uh, Mike. Oh, I was going to tell you. Yeah, Norma went out and helped. Max got out of the pen, out of the yard. And uh, Max uh, got, had a screw loose or something because all he did was ran as fast as he could all over that side of Butte back and forth. If he found a dog in a fence, he would run along the fence as they barked at each other. But Norma helped get him back inside the fence right off the bat. We'd no more, sooner moved in. Then she'd come bringing over a sack with some of the most delectable dessert that I'd ever tasted. Blarney stones. I'm sorry they don't make Blarney stones around the year. Of course, I'm, I'm on, uh, you know, warned about food things these days, so I have to be careful about sweets and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm taking time to visit. But not only was Tim good carrying me around to see Rosalie and went golfing for me. In fact, he didn't golf. He just drove the cart for me while I did the golfing. And then uh, Julie uh, went out and bought me a new bed to sleep in. Now, she hasn't yet told me how I'm supposed to get that on the plane. No, I don't think I'm supposed to take it. Anyway, it's a joy to be with you with all my heart. I have, uh, I'll be preaching a message along this line today. Uh, I, don't, I don't come with a sermon. I come with a message from God. I really believe that. I've prayed carefully about this. You know, at 82, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be standing before Jesus real soon. 
and I want to be ready. I don't want to be ashamed before him at his coming. And that I want to meet him like I know Norma met him and with glad heart. And by the way, if you're worried about Norma, don't worry about her. She, somebody said, you think she's up in heaven looking on today? Well, even if God gave her the privilege, she wouldn't be here. Because when she found out there were white horses in heaven, she said, I hope God is going to let me help take care of them horses. The way she was and the way I am, I've always figured that she'll be up there by the throne by Jesus and I'll be out cleaning up the barn behind the white horses. And, and, and uh, that's not all joking either. Anyway, I brought the first book I wrote, never intended to write it really. I wrote a series of stories of grace for my kids and my grandkids. I still have some grandkids that have not yet yielded to Christ. Every one of my children was dedicated to God, and I'm happy to say all five of them are serving God today. But out of my grandchildren, some of them are so devoted to the Lord, they're, they're going to blow right past me and Norman and their mom and dad serving God. But there are others that have not yet yielded. But I want to tell you, that doesn't mean forever. I know a God that I can call on, and he loves them so much that he will change things in their life and make them only too happy to give their heart to the Lord. But more about that later. Right now, stories of grace. I wrote them for my wife or for my children and grandchildren and sent it off to my daughter, who is my editor, and uh, because she has to get it in readable order. And I thought she was going to type it up and send it, a copy to each one of the grandkids. Lo and behold, she sent it off to San Francisco to a publisher and sent it back as a book. On the front, uh, that's me praying. And, and if you want to know how I made it from 15 to 82 with the Lord, right there. That's how I made it. Down on my knees, calling on his name. Anyway, there's 10 stories in here. Uh, they're, not, they're about my family, different ones in my family, not about my kids or grandkids. They're about my two grandmothers and uh, uncle, a brother, a stepbrother. Uh, and my unsaved stepfather. But all of them are stories of grace, and they're $10 a piece, and that's my cost. I'm not making any money on it, just in case you weren't. And uh, I hope that I don't get in trouble with the Lord for selling things in church. I've never had anything sell before. So, Anyway, I'm here with a message this morning, and I hope you'll listen up because I believe what I'm sharing is so important. My heart is touched, and I want to share what God has given me to give to you this morning. And I'm going to just offer a word of prayer. Father, in your word, you promised that like rain and snow coming down from heaven and not returning thither, but waters the earth, makes it bud and bloom and bring forth. You said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but accomplish that whereto I sent it. I ask, God, that you will take these words that I have prayed over carefully, studied over them, preached them in other congregations, and I pray, God, the hearts of this people will be blessed and lifted and strengthened, and many will take the challenge to be sure to not let their family be lost. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
title of this message from God today is Bring Back God's Banished Ones. Bring Back God's Banished Ones. 2 Samuel 14, 14. You may want to turn there, but I'm not going to wait on you. I'm just going to go ahead and memorize it. I live with it. I remind God of it quite often when I'm praying. Though like water spilled on the ground, it cannot be gathered up again, so we all must die. Yet God does not take away life, but rather devises a cunning plan by which his banished ones are not expelled from him. When I read that scripture, it touched me deeply, and I got on my face and prayed. This was back in 2011, in that year, and by the way, I have permission from my son Joe to tell this story. In 2011, me and Norma's hearts were broken when we discovered that our oldest son left a church of running approximately 500 per Sunday in Aberdeen, South Dakota, left his wife, and his children and 27 years of ministry behind to pursue an illicit affair. The question I have today, and I want to tell you more about Joe in the story. My heart was broken, and I know Norma's heart were, and we prayed daily over him. I pray over every single one of my children and grandchildren. And by the way, I just want to remind you, there's 68 of us now. Pretty soon I'm going to be like Jacob. They're going to go down 70 strong down to Egypt. Anyway, uh, because these kids and grandkids believe in what they're doing, and uh, they're, they're making it happen. But in Joe's wandering away from God, and I think he actually thought he was maybe doing something that was going to draw him closer to God, but I knew better. I knew that was not the story. And so on my face, all I did was laid on my face before God pointed toward the east, and I think that way's east if I remember my directions here. And uh, because of, uh, Solomon said if they fall on their face in another nation and are pointing or praying toward this place, then hear their prayer. So I wanted to make sure God would hear my prayer. And I prayed for Joe and cried out to him. And while I was laying there on my face before him, after several weeks, suddenly I was filled with two thoughts. How do we lose? How do, how do and I don't call myself the best pastor, but how do good pastors and good leaders in the church and some of even the members that I've pastored, the best people that serve God, that love God with all their heart and raised their children for God and made sure they were in the house of God. And yet when they got of age, they wandered or they drifted away or they went away. Anyway, I don't care. I'm not here to blame anybody. So if I use words like how we lost them, I'm not blaming you. I'm not, but if, if we, I accept my fault, my part of my failure with my children. Listen, if it hadn't been for my wife, I don't know if any of my children would have made it through my disciplining through the early years because I was far more about discipline than I was about love and tenderness and kindness. And on my face as I prayed for Joe, and it seemed to me like God shared with me two reasons why we tend to lose them or why they tend to drift away or why they rebel against God. And I want to share those with you, and that's the message today. I know this 
Tim said, when you come, Dad, I don't want you to just come up here and preach the sermon. I want you to come fired up. I don't know if there's any fire here in this or not, but I can assure you this is a word of the living God in my heart. And I prayed and I said, God, if I'm saying anything in error, if I'm overbalanced in this area in any way, let me know, and I will apologize to everywhere I preach it. But you know what I find out? And, and I'll just ask right now, how many of you have unsaved loved ones? And if you're a parent or grandparent, how many of you have unsaved children or grandchildren? Raise your hand. Look at that. All across this congregation. This is the same thing I get everywhere I go. Is it's a nerve that is so raw because there are people who love someone and they're not with God. And the Greek word for lost is apolome, and it means it is not where it's supposed to be. And if our kids and grandkids are not with the Lord, they're not where we intended them to be, where we prayed for them and we fed them and we clothed them and we took care of them and we preached to them and we made sure they knew the gospel. And you know what? Many of them were saved when they were small. Every one of my children were one to the Lord by their mother. I did not know that until we honored her with a pastor's wife appreciation day one year. And every one of those kids came back and they said, yes, I was about five or six or seven, somewhere in those years. And they said, I w went to mom and said, how do you know when you're really saved? And she taught them and, and she prayed with them. Here I thought I was responsible for winning all of them to the Lord. But like I said, it was her that did it. Amen. So anyway, in praying, it seemed like the more I prayed, things seemed to get worse. He just went further and further. And finally, and, but you know what I learned a long time ago? When you ask God for something, ask in earnest, thankful prayer. Amen. Thank God for what you can't see. Thank God for what he's doing and what he's up to. Listen, he gave me this sermon, this message to bring to you today that we might learn that there is something that God wants to do, but he, we play a pivotal part in that, that something. And so in praying for him, and then he moved closer to this individual, and things seemed to be getting worse. And right in the middle of that, one of my other sons and his wife suddenly dropped out of church. They didn't drop out totally. They go, you know, when they felt like it. Now we're going to go to the beach because we both work jobs and we need a little time to ourselves. We need this, this time away. And I'm thinking to myself, you have three sons you raised for God and now you're talking about dropping out and they're not even with God anymore. I went home so discouraged that night I couldn't see straight. I, I didn't even say goodnight, God. I don't know if that's the way you do things or not, but I just went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I had a dream. And how many of you know old people, the Bible said old men dream dreams. And I'm an old man. In the middle of the night, I'm preaching away to some congregation somewhere. You can't give up on your kids and your grandkids. You can't give up on your loved one. You may be the only one that's standing between them and hell. And I said, because Isaiah 60 verse 4 says, and I did not know what Isaiah 60 verse 4 said. But when I woke up, I looked it up. And it said, I will bring your sons from far and carry your daughters on my arms. 
Oh, God loves your kids and your grandkids. God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us that we might not perish but have everlasting life. And everything we desire and long for and want ultimately is there with God. And there we will have the fulfillment. And I want them there with me. I don't know if, if you're like some that are, seem to be willing to leave children behind. You know, every time I hear a member say, I've turned my, I can't do anything with my kids. They're on drugs, alcohol, so I've just turned them over to God. You know, I, I knew a pastor in New Orleans that prayed that way. He said, Marvin Gorman by name. He used to be on Christian television. And he said, I was praying, and he said, God, I can't do, I prayed all my life since I was a teenager for my alcoholic dad and now I'm in my 50s, and he's still away from God. And he said, I'd heard other people say, I've turned them over to God because it sounds so religious. And he said, I, I told that to God, and he said, I was, I was on my face. And he said, the next thing I knew, because the voice of God touched me so powerfully and said, Marvin, if you don't care for your dad, why should I? Well, somebody said, oh, God wouldn't speak like that. Well, maybe you're willing to call Marvin a liar, but I'm not. And you know what he did? He said, God, you have to save my daddy. Because he said, I read in scripture when, when let this find you, Dave. When Abraham prayed for Lot, oh, he wasn't talking about 50 righteous people. Don't you understand? He had a nephew and family down there in Sodom, Gomorrah. He was pleading with God, if you could find only 10. He didn't get down to the real number. But you know how strong that prayer was? Listen to this. The Bible said God sent two angels down to Lot and his family and Sodom and Gomorrah and told them tomorrow morning this place is going to be destroyed by fire. And he said, got to get out of here before the sun comes up. So the next morning, I don't know, this is what we say down in Missouri when we're talking about people slow to take action, lollygagging around. They were lollygagging around, and I got to be careful. At 82, I don't get up and down as much. They grabbed them by the hands. They said, come on, we got to get out of here. We can't leave here without you. Look in your Bible, and you'll discover it's exactly that way. And so he said, God, when I read that, he said, you have to save my alcoholic dad. And he said, I will pray for him every day till he's saved. And five hours before he died, he led him to the Lord. It was an amazing thing because he read a scripture and his dad said, Marvin, is that in the word? Or he said, did you just make that up? He said, Dad, that's in the word. And he said, Marvin, pray for me to receive Christ right now. All right, I've taken too long in the introduction. Why do good Christians and leaders of God's church lose their children and grandchildren to the world? Why have so many turned away from the God they once loved and served while young and gone back to the world? And I have written testimony of hundreds and ten different churches that I preached this sermon that verify that. More important, what can you and I do about it so that they're not permanently lost to God and left behind to the Antichrist and Satan and hell? While weeping for Joe, God gave me two reasons why we lose them and go back on God. I believe it's from the Lord. And so many promises of God through Scripture of what he will do in answer to our prayers. So I want to share that with you. 
Number one, we lost them because we led them out of Egypt while they were young, but we never got them to the promised land. Exodus 33, verses 1 to 3, the Lord God said, Depart and go up, you and this people you brought out of Egypt, into the land I swore to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, saying, To your seed I will give it, and I will drive out the enemy before you, and I will send the angel, my, an angel with you to send before you into the land. I believe just like Israel, most of us led our children and grandchildren to God from the life of sin while they were young, and yet we saw all of them stray. Every one of my five kids strayed a little bit, but I think they come back pretty quick because they got out there and they found out serving the devil just isn't all that much fun as cracked up to be. You know, and uh, I had a I had a brother, stepbrother, uh, he, when I... When the lights went out in our bed, we slept together in one bed in our bedroom. And, and when uh, I got down to pray, he got in bed and went to sleep. But he didn't know that in the night I would be calling his name out to God. And I saw his knuckles turn white at the church as the altar calls was given. And, and he wanted it. He would fight. He would act bizarrely because the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so strong. But he wanted a life of pleasure and sin, and his pleasure-led life yielded an alcoholic and with four brain aneurysms at age 58 that took his life. But thank God, before he died, before he died, he came back to the Lord. But all he had to have come back with was all this pleasure. They want so much fun out there. Listen, there's just not that much fun out there, not enough to lose your soul over but all of us have weaknesses. We witnessed to them and we told them about God and about what he expected from us and about his great grace and how much he loved us. But all of us have weaknesses, including people in God's church and seeing this caused many of them to have more questions and answers about God and life abundantly. I borrow a story from Adrian Rogers, a great Baptist preacher from Memphis. He said he told the story of a 13-year-old Israeli boy who was born and raised in the wilderness, never knew anything else. And it was coming Passover time. And every Passover, the Jews were supposed to rehearse everything that God had done for them, how he brought us out of Egypt and drowned our enemies in the Red Sea while he led us over on dry land. And then he gave us manna, uh, gave us manna from heaven and water from a rock and has done all these wonderful miracles. And he was sitting there telling his son again his Passover approach. But this 13-year-old boy said, Dad, every year you keep telling me all the wonderful things God has done for us in the past and all the great things. There is a promised land he's going to give us. There's a heaven that we can go to. He said, yet, Dad, all I ever do is we wander around in this wilderness. All I ever do is eat manna morning, noon, and night. Dad, I'm sick of it. Wouldn't it just be better if we went back to Egypt, and that's where a lot of our loved ones have gone. Secondly, we lost them because we have not shared God's passionate love for them. I don't know how much you feel God loves you, but if it's not a lot, you're missing the mark. He loves you so much. You know what? He never takes his eye off of you. He'll never take his hand off your life. Even, even Joe, I know when he was wandering, he had not strayed beyond his mother's and my prayer and the love of God. And one son told me one time he was going to do something. I said, I beg you, please don't do that. That's not good for you. That's, that's away from what God wants for your life. But he seemed uh, determined to do it. So I finally said, you know what? 
And I called, Dan was his name, and I said, Dan, you can run if you want to, but you're never going to outrun God's love. He, he will chase you. I think the Bible is replete with that, that God assures that. Jesus opens the doors of God's heart for us to look in. Have you ever read Luke 15? I'm sure if you're a Bible reader, and everybody ought to be. Luke 15, there's a story that Jesus shared about how much God loves people. He opened the heart of God because remember Jesus said, I haven't come here to do anything by myself. I come here doing only what I see him do and saying only what I hear him say. Is that in the Bible? Or can somebody verify that? That's in the Bible. I do nothing but what I see him do and I say nothing but what I hear him say. So when Jesus told the story about the lost sheep that had wandered away through sheer, sheer carelessness and the 90 and 9, how the shepherd would leave the 90 and 9 and go after, he would say, that's my father. That's, a, that's God. That's God. He doesn't give up on people. Are you glad? Can you just clap your hands and give God a praise that he doesn't give up on you? If he'd have got discouraged with you back there in the beginning, you'd have been in real trouble then. Not only was there the lost sheep, but the lost coin. Now notice all three of these, the lost son, the lost coin, and the lost sheep were all different meanings. The lost sheep is a Christian or somebody that drifted away carelessly. The lost coin is somebody that's still in the house. They may still be in the church. But how many of you know you can backslide in the church if you don't stay connected to the vine? Well, that was a good scripture you read. You've got to be connected to the vine. There is no fruitfulness. And those that don't bear the fruit are those that are disconnected from the vine. And the lost coin is an exact representative of somebody that's still in the house, but they're not in touch. Because a coin is money, and money is of no use if you can't find it. No value. It has no value whatsoever. But notice he said he, he takes the broom. The lady takes the broom and she goes through the house weeping and, and searching until she finds it. And when she finds it, she goes and tells her neighbor, hey, I, I found my money. And they all begin to rejoice. The shepherd rejoiced when he brought back. God rejoiced. This is the heart of God. <clears throat> and then the lost son. You know, you ever thought about the, the sin of the... Uh, the prodigal son, I mean, it's pretty malicious, wasn't it? I mean, he, he demanded his money. Uh, it, was, it was almost like he was saying, Dad, you don't have enough grace to go ahead and die so I can get mine now. So just give me mine now. And so he divided unto them his substance. Pretty, pretty grievous. Pretty bad sin he was committing against him. And yet, God did not stop loving him. Now, somebody said, well, why didn't God go get him? Or why didn't he force him? That's not the way God works. God works because of his love. And his love went on the wall and he watched for his son every single day. And when he saw him coming, he ran and rejoiced. Now the prodigal's heart was hard and was cold, but God put him in a situation. Long, cold nights, very hot days, and a stinking pig pen probably made him wish and long for something better and he returned home and then found that the father was watching him and that's where God is for your kids and my kids. I'm, I'm convinced of it if we'll pray for them. What does God's, in each of those three stories, we see God's sorrow, we see God's search, and we see God's success. Jesus knew this was true because he said, I do nothing and I say nothing except what I see him do and say. 
What does God's sorrow over lost sons and daughters and grandkids looks like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like Reverend R.H. Sumner and his son Donnie, who was a personal song arranger for Elvis Presley, who often was called to Elvis's suite at night after the shows and the drugs and the women and had to sing gospel songs until Elvis could sleep. Donnie Sumner was a Church of God preacher's boy. And when over the years, R.H. Sumner and his wife kept praying for Donnie's return from drugs because he said, this is what was happening in Elvis's entourage, and I was part of that, was drugs and women and money. He said, lots of money, but when my money and my health was gone, he said, on a Sunday morning after having sung Elvis to sleep, he said, I was on the 14th floor of the Las Vegas Hilton Hotel and Elvis's suite, and he said, I decided to put an end to my life because my wife had divorced me. My health was teetering on, a, on the brink. And he said, I was going to commit suicide. I was going to jump. But he said, while I stood there on the sun deck of Las Vegas Hilton Hotel's 14th floor, he said, I heard a song in the back of my mind, in my heart. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Oh, praise God. He said he left Las Vegas, drove all the way back to Cleveland, Tennessee, where his dad was. What he didn't know, his dad told him this story. When he said, after years of praying, and Donnie was going further and further and deeper and deeper in sin, he said, I finally said, told his wife, he said, I'm going to commit to fast two meals every day for the rest of my life or until Donnie comes home. Praise God, Don. R.H. Sumner got to eat after Donnie got saved. It wasn't easy. He said, you know how hard it was to leave Las Vegas and all that money and all them drugs and all that stuff. And by the way, Elvis called him three times and said, Donnie, you've got to come back. i got to have you, man. I, you're my personal song arranger. You're my man, and I need you. And he said, Elvis, I can't. And finally, the third time, after he called him the third time, and he said, I can't, can't come back to you. He said, Donnie, I understand, because Elvis knew what had happened to him. He came back to God, and getting off of drugs, he said, I was driving 40 kids from a church of God school in Florida trying to get off of drugs. And he said, if you think that wasn't a challenge, you know the rest of the story. What does that kind of love look like? It looks like R.H. Sumner. It looks like Norma's sorrow years ago when she found out one of her beloved granddaughters was caught up in a drug-addicted, immoral Christian, if you will. He was part of the scum of the earth church in Denver, Colorado. Very true story. And his life was immoral, and, he, and yet he went to church on Sundays, and my granddaughter got cut up in that, and he became her drug. She couldn't let go of him. Three years of driving her mother and dad and family, praying together at nights in the room in great sorrow for her soul. But I believe it was a grandmother that touched her heart because she had helped raise that girl when she was little. 
And she would, I saw her in Willard, Ohio, go into her bedroom six and seven times a day and taking the binding and loosing prayer and praying that over that granddaughter because that granddaughter did not belong to the devil. She was born and raised in a Christian home and taught about God. And we don't have to give them up. You don't have to give up your kids and grandkids. There is hope for your family. There's hope for your husband, your wife, your grandmother, your grandfather, who it is, whoever it is that's away from the Lord. And a good success after three years of their prayers, after three years of Norma praying. See, if, if you really want something bad enough, you have to have the tenacity to hang on. And that's part of the whole process of God putting these tests, tests and trials. He's developing patience, endurance inside of you. That's how we were able to take care of Norma as she went through the various stages of Alzheimer's, including the combativeness and the running away and all those kinds of things. And then the last 10 months or last eight and a half months in bed, totally bed fast, unable to speak. Her voice was only a whisper now, but we were able to endure. And we would have gone longer, but I guess, and I believe that God said it's time, it's all over. So that's what love looks like. Questions I would like to ask you today, and you have to answer them for yourselves. Are we willing to leave behind our kids, grandkids, or loved ones for the great tribulation and Satan? If so, which one of them are you planning to leave? Or will you join God upon the walls of intercession where he waited for his prodigal to come home, waiting until they return to God? Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. I have set my sentries or my prayer warriors upon the walls, and there they must cry unto me day and night and give me no rest until I restore. And that's my confidence. And that's my belief in God that he will hear my prayer. And if you're going to say you really can't use that scripture, you're too late. I've been using it, and God has already blessed it. Amen. I'll amen myself. Or will you be like Moses, who when Pharaoh finally agreed to let them go and worship God in the wilderness, said, but leave your children and your animals here while you go and you adults go and worship. And Moses essentially said, nothing doing. When we leave here, we're taking the kids with us. Amen. And we got to be determined like that. Don't give up your, I don't know if, if all of those hands that were raised this morning is all grandkids and kids and grandkids, but I'd, I would say more than 50% of them was. Could be a parent. It might be, you're, maybe you're a child and you're saved and they're not. Anyway, or will we sit apathetically and concerning those lost condition and do nothing? I believe in rugged and dangerous and vulnerable prayers to God that can be left that will not leave unsaved lost ones here in this life and, and can lift them out of the gutters of sin into the presence of God. And I practice that. You know where I first learned that? The first six months I was saved. Very first six months I was saved. One week I was saved and led my first soul to the Lord. Have you ever heard of handsome Harley race? Oh, that's the name out of the vast, too far back. In the wrong genre, if I was in Missouri, they would know all about him because he was a heavyweight wrestling champion of the world for a very short time. He was the first soul that I led to the Lord in a Nazarene church in a revival.
because I prayed for him, and I went to him and took him to church, and I said, will you go forward? And he said, yes, I will. And I don't know where Harley will spend eternity. I have no idea today because he went to the lifestyle he did, but I can assure you one thing. God said, I, I heard and answered your prayer, just like your sister prayed for you, you prayed for him, and now he's saved. And that's the way that it continues on. John 14, listen to this very carefully. John 14, 13, and 14. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do. Hear that? Jesus said, I will do it. Whatever you ask him, I will do it. And then he said again, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, everybody say, say anything. 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 In my name, I will do it. Is there, is there something there that I'm not seeing that I can't claim my kids and grandkids? If I ask anything, don't you think he's far more interested in that than in what job we may be working at? Well, I'll tell you, my family's salvation is far more important to me than any other thing. And then... I want to share with you God promises that to embrace their return when we become proactively involved watching and praying to God for them. Just like God said to Marvin, why should I care if you don't care for your dad? If you really care for them, pray for them. They need it. They depend on you. Their salvation may depend on it. 2 Samuel 14, 14, again, just the last part of that verse. God does not take away life, but devises a cunning plan by which not your banished ones, his banished ones are not expelled or cast away from him. I believe God has a plan for every life for which he alone can make happen. In fact, I read in Ephesians, the first chapter, that before I ever was born or ever even thought of or any man was on the earth or there was an earth to be on, the Bible said we had been chosen in Jesus Christ to sit in heavenly places with him. Hallelujah. If you're discouraged today in your walk with God, cheer up. God's going to get you over there. Amen. Amen. The, Day after Norma passed away, up I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, read the Bible and pray. And uh, the day after that happened, I was sitting there and my thoughts and kind of blitzed out, you know. My life was turned totally upside down, it seemed. But as I sat there, I remembered God, somebody, I read some of the texts, said, Brother Mosslander, we know that Norma's passed and we love you and we're praying for you. My Lord had so many praying for me, there wasn't any way I couldn't have walked through that easily. God's grace and strength was there because of the prayers of people pray for each other. The Bible said pray without ceasing. It also says pray for all saints. Pray for everyone. Somebody said you can't pray for everyone. You can pray for everyone in this church. You know, your schedule's not that tight. Amen. And if it is, you need to let some other things go and get involved in that because your brothers and sisters need that kind of prayer. But while I sat there and she said, and she closed it with, oh, we know that all things work together for good. And then I was reminded, when I was called to go to Willard, Ohio, and I, and I was on my way, I didn't really want to go, but I told God I can go there, I'll go there for you, but I cannot go there without you telling me something. 
you're going to have to give me a word because they had just transferred one-third of that church away because they were upset with the pastor that was before me. Oh, how often I have come under somebody else's situation. But maybe that was my ministry. Maybe that's what God saved me for, to pick me up and use me in that way. And anyway, so the news was not good. Instead of 160, now they only had 100. And I was leaving a church running close to 300, and so that wasn't good news. I wasn't excited about that. But you know what God told me? I got down on my knees, and I said, I can't go. I cannot go without you giving me the word. And you know what his word was? I will do you good and not evil all the days of your life. And while I sat there on that couch that morning, God reminded me, even Norma's passing was my goodness. Oh, it's so hard for us to see how God works sometimes. But I wouldn't bring her back to the life she was living in that bed for one hour. Not one hour. I'm so happy she's with the Lord because I know she's having the time of her life up there. Praise God, and I'm going to go see her. Thought about that. Hallelujah. How good is this thing? God said, I will do you good and not evil all the days of your life. My heart was encouraged. I've overflowed. And I, I think I shared that with the kids that morning on my text. I sent the scripture out to them and also sent that encouragement. Listen to God's plan for you. No one, uh, Job 23, verses 13, 14. No one can oppose God or keep him from doing what he has planned. He will fulfill what he has planned for me, and that plan is just one of many he has. God will never force his love and grace on anyone. But I tell you, we have prayed for souls that it seemed like God put them in a corner they couldn't get out of until they become all too willing to become a Christian just to get out of this mess. I'm in. How many of you were in a mess when the Lord found you? Somebody said, oh, I was a pretty good person. Well, I doubt that. But I imagine we all thought we was pretty good, but all I could see when I thought of my sins. All I could remember when I went to God for prayer was all the sins I'd committed. But I was assured when I arose from my feet of my knees in prayer that God had literally had literally forgiven every single one of them. No one can oppose God or keep him doing what he has planned. He will fulfill what he has planned for me and that plan is just one of many he has. You say you're a fatalist. No, I'm not. I just believe that God already knows everything for whom the Lord did foreknow. He did predestine to be like his son. And those he predestined to be like his son, he called and those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. It's already in past tense for us. Amen. If, you are, if you're connected to Christ, there is nothing in your future but him. Are you happy that you're saved this morning? Let's communicate it a little bit. Amen. Praise God. Let me give you some good news. See the many promises God has given all, all he will do to save and deliver your kids and your grandkids or your unsaved loved ones and notice that he gives you and I a pivotal part to play in it. Peter in 1 Peter 3, 5 said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all may be saved. 
1 John 5, 14 through 16 says, Now this is a confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything, anything again, according to his will, he hears us, and if we know he hears us, then we know we have the petition we have desired or asked of him. <clears throat> if anyone sees his brother, and is it okay if I say, if I see my brother sin a sin not unto death, how about my uncle? My aunt, my grandfather, my grandmother, my kid, my grandkid. Is, there, is that doing any despite to the scripture? I think not. And notice what he said. He said, it goes on to say, he said, if anyone sees his brother, his kid, or grandkid, or loved one, sin a sin that is not unto death, and I assume that would be the unpardonable sin, he will ask me, and God will give them life for them that sin not unto death. I don't know what you see in those scriptures, but I see every reason to hope for their salvation, for their deliverance. Praise God. Jesus plainly shares his plans for whole family salvation. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house will be saved. But this promise also comes with a warning. Listen to the solemn words of Jesus Christ in Luke 12, verses 35 and 39. Let your waist be girded. In other words, pull up your robe in that day and put it in your sash, in the sash about your weight, that you may run and keep your lamp burning like men waiting for their master so they may open to him immediately when he returns at midnight or 3 o'clock in the morning. But if the head of that house had known the hour of his return, he would have watched or he would have maintained a vigilant prayer for whole family salvation and not allowed his house to be broken up. Every time I read that scripture that said two will be lying in a bed, one will be taken, the other will have. Every time I read the scripture, two will be working at the mill, grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken. The other left. He says to us, let's don't lose our family. Jesus said, if you only knew how near it was, how close we are to the end, he said, you would have watched, you would have prayed and prayed and prayed and not allowed them to be left behind to the Antichrist and tribulation and all that is coming on the face of the earth. I hope no one feels that I've tried to beat you over the head with this, but I share this with you in hopes. I had a person in this church already that shared with me about a loved one and even said something along the lines, I think it's too late. And I said, it's with God. It is never too late. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I will do it if you ask. If you put yourself in a position, you see, every morning when I used to pray, wherever I pastored and here was no different. I didn't pray here because over there was where I could see the east side of the mountain better. So I prayed under that window right over there on the face. You know why I prayed there? Because the Bible said, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and howl between the ports. That's where the people come in. And the altar, here's where they pray. I felt it was my place to be praying 
between you when I was here and the people, the people here and God on this side, whatever I could do as far as preaching or praying or ministering or helping you in any way that I could. But I thank God I can report to you it is never too late for God. Marvin Gorman's drug, or not drug addicted, but alcoholic addicted father died and in a few hours before he'd accepted Jesus in the heart. You said, you really believe he was saved? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You say, why would you believe something so preposterous as that? Because the thief on the cross who admitted that we're worthy of these things that we're suffering, and yet he said, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. God, help us. Can it be any better than that? God has assured us what he will do. I tell you, as long as I have breath, I will pray for my children and my grandchildren every day until even those that have not yielded. I'll tell you about all my children were dedicated to the Lord and my children dedicated every one of their sons and daughters to the Lord. But all 15 of them are not serving God. And if they don't start serving God, they're going to lose that gen fourth generation that's coming up behind them. We'll lose them. But you don't have to lose them. God has a plan. I beg you, and I ask the young lady, I don't know who she is. Yeah, come to the platform. We're going to have a song. Just listen to me for a moment. I beg you to hear this message and take it to heart and pray and watch with God for your kids. And while you're doing that, don't keep praying in unbelief. The only thing that's going to keep your faith alive when the years go by as you continue to pray daily for them is thank you for what you're doing that I have not yet seen. After 30 years, when my sister-in-law wrote and said, Ross, your dad's trying to quit smoking. Every time I tried to lead my dad to the Lord, stepfather really, he would say, Ross, I can't become a Christian. I'm smoke. So when I heard that he was trying to quit smoking, I would say, thank you, Jesus, for the things you're doing. He's, you know, he's going to get saved. He's going to save himself. You know, if I quit smoking, I'm saved then. Then I can go to heaven. Of course, we know that's not true. But anyway, I prayed for him for 30 years before he was saved. My wife and I prayed for our, both our dads for 30 years before either one of them were saved, and both of them were saved. In the 30th year, seven months apart, living in different places because God found their hearts and brought them home. Praise God. Praise God. Remember, they are his banished ones. They're not yours. More than they ever belong to you, they belong to the Creator who wove them together, Psalm 139, in their mother's womb. He created them there and appointed their days. He gave them their DNA and He appointed their days and the Bible said, and they will not pass those bounds. So I know our time. We have a time. Okay, I've been long here. Just, just give me a little bit more here and then we'll be done. They are his banished ones, and he does not want to cast them away from him forever. I'm asking the gentleman or people that's passing out the index cards, I'm ask, I have asked them 
It's a blank index card. If you want one, would you please let these ushers or these people know by an upraised hand or write down the first name only because if God knows how many he numbered, he doesn't know how many hairs they got on their head. He's numbered each one of them. When some of you took a shower this morning, he saw number 3,237 fall out. God has, if he knows, we don't need ever, we don't need their history. Just write their first name down. If you have a pen or a pencil, I don't know about that availability. I can't do that. I, I can't be responsible for that at this point. But I, all I can say, if you want this card, write down the unsaved family members that are not with God and that you want to pray for every single day of your life. And we're going to have music in just a moment and give you a, few, a couple, three minutes. Just write them down. So begin to write them quickly. If you want a card, raise your hand. If you don't, leave it down. Can I share with you one more scripture? Matthew 18, 19. If two of you agree touching anything, my Father will do it for them. If you'd write those names down and then find you a prayer partner in this church or if you've got a friend in another church and they're your prayer partner, get a list from them and then exchange those lists and both of you pray together for them. This isn't my promise. Jesus said, if two of you agree as touching anything, it shall be done toward them of my Father that is in heaven. Praise God. I believe God. Do you? All right, I don't know if we're going to sing or she's just going to play, but we'll give you a few minutes. And then I want you, those that fill out the card, I want you to bring it forward. Me and Tim will be up here to help pray with you for your loved ones. We'll, we'll make a covenant right here from this day forward. I will pray for them, believing God that he is going to save them. If you've got an unsaved child, an unsaved husband, an unsaved wife, unsaved mom, dad, grandmother, I pray for Grandpa Boswell. I don't even know who Grandpa Boswell is, but I'm, I pray for the old as well as the young. I pray for Aunt Sherry and Uncle Dave, just names that I remember out of those 1,500 names that I have. By the way, the cards stay here. I already have enough pray over, okay? You know, don't, don't put that on me at this age. I, I couldn't carry that burden, but I assure you I will be praying for the mics the Tylers, and the Joes, all of them. All right, I'm, I don't know. I don't think many cards were passed out. I, I'm, I would be a little disappointed in that because I'm sure all of you have loved ones that need God. And you know, sometimes what I found out as a pastor, there was a lot of people that wanted me to pray. But if you fill out a card for somebody to pray for your loved ones. Please don't do that if you're not going to pray. I can't do your praying for you. It is required, Jesus said, too, to agree on something this important, this urgent. So please do that. All right, I'm assuming... How many of you took a card? You filled out your card. The cards are filled out? Okay, I see the hands raised. I'm assuming that's, that's all of us, all right? Go ahead and give us some music, and Tim, come on up here if you will, or we'll come down. That's how, we'll come down here.
Amen. Come on. I'd like for you to bring, beg pardon. Yeah, yes, bring your card and come up here, please. I'm sorry. Yes, and just don't hand them to me. Just hang on to them because it's going to be a covenant prayer. We're praying together with you. <clears throat> in fact, I'm going to let my son, I'm going to let him lead us in prayer. And if you feel okay about it, if you want to make connection by maybe laying your hand on their shoulder or something, that's fine. I think the good connectivity always helps, but... We live in a day when people don't want to be touched sometimes. So, all right, Pastor Tim. I'm sorry if, pardon me, if your prayer partner's in the house, just exchange the cards at, after we get done praying. If they're not here, they're somewhere else, or find a prayer partner because the power, according to Jesus, is in the two, and that, that helps a lot. All right, so did that, was that clear enough, or is that still like... I think so, Dad. Amen. Wow. Praise God. Can you all extend your hands this way? And let's just, yeah, touch somebody near you. Oh, Father God, we just want to thank you today for this message, God. We thank you, Lord. We needed to hear this today. And we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and just and that you will hear our prayers, God. We thank you, Lord, that you love our children, our moms, our parents, our our daughters-in-law, our sons-in-law, Lord, you love those who are important to us. You love them more than we love them, Lord. And we just lift all of these names up to you right now on these cards. Come on, church, just lift up the names on those cards right now. Those of you who are standing with a card, just lift that up to the Lord right now as a sign that you are lifting up these souls to the Lord, believing God for a miracle, for salvation, for restoration, for coming home. Lord, we pray, God, for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We pray for this generation and the generations to come, Lord, that many will be saved and come back to you, God. We pray for an awakening and a revival, God, of those that are on these cards right now. We agree in faith, believing, Lord, this is our these souls are our anything today. These are our anything. You said, ask anything, Lord. These are the anythings, Lord. These are the most important things in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, that you would move mightily in every life that is represented on these cards here today in Jesus' name. And we give you praise. Church, all of us, can we just lift our hands and our hearts to the Lord in gratitude and thanksgiving for what he is doing beyond our own vision and beyond our own sight. Lord, we thank you that you are moving. We thank you, Lord, that you brought this word as a reminder to us to spur us on, to wake us up, to draw us into the deeper place with you. And I pray, God, that as we exchange cards in the next moment, God, that you would give us a burden for someone else's burden, Lord, that you would... Help us, Lord, to realize the importance of praying for others as they pray for us. And, Lord, give us a spirit of agreement, a green prayer, God, to move. And, Lord, that we see mountains moved in the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we honor you and ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Come on, amen. <laughs>